Bachelor, 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 live from Rogers Arena, calling Canucks games. It is Brendan Bachelor, Bachelor, Bachelor. 801 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Before we get to anything, all of our business, all of the reads, Brandon Bachelor, I will confirm what we were talking about prior to going to break. Canada is out at the World Juniors. I am sorry if you were recording the game. I was PVRing it for later. Going to watch it right after property. Don't numbers. bother. They lost. They lost. I ruined <laughs> that for you. 3-2 to Czechia in one of the bigger upsets in recent memory at mm-hmm. the tournament. Czechia scored the game-winning goal with 11 seconds left in regulation. Looked like it was going overtime. Not so fast. Canada out. Czechia advances to the semifinals. So first time they've been out in the quarterfinals since 2019. Yep. When Canada lost to Finland here in Vancouver. Uh, so we've got a lot to get to in the final hour of this program. Uh, Please send in some what we learned. What did you learn over the last 72, 96, 384 uh, hours in sports? Just let us know. We have none. There's no what we learned coming in. We need more. That is precious content that the show mines throughout the show. People are still in vacation mode or even still on vacation. Snap the out of it. The kids are out of school this week, so I wonder if a lot of people are still working or still take, it's taking time off. Snap out of it. Yeah. Send some what we learned. Hashtag them WWL. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Uh, okay, real quick. Hour three of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech. Good. Uh, to the phone lines we go. Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Batch. Happy New Year. And to you guys as well. How goes it? Uh, things are well. How was your new year, Batch? Oh, it was good. It was low-key. Nothing too exciting. But, uh, you know, interesting now to, to flip the calendar, especially from a Canucks perspective, and see what 2024 has in store. Uh, before we get to the Canucks, I have a question for you. Okay. Is, is, it, is it hard to follow and support Manchester United? Yes. like what what, are they the most inconsistent team in the history of sports like so in the last week what they they had that incredible comeback win over villa and then they go to nottingham forest not the actual forest but there's a stadium within the forest and they might as well have gone to the forest and and they they actually look like they might be doing it again coming back and winning and instead they lose to forest this team spends a lot of money on its players. What's going on there? Yeah, it's uh, frustrating. It's, you know, to, like as a fan of the team, it, it's kind of like I'll compare it to what the Canucks were like last year where the off-field storylines are more at the forefront than the actual results because, um, you know, the, the team is, is not in contention for the title. They're not in contention for Europe at this point unless something changes. And so following Manchester United, now you're talking about, oh, Jim Radcliffe has come in and he's going to be taking over football operations after buying 25% of the club. And who are they going to get rid of in the January transfer window? Because it it seems anyway from the outside looking in that it's kind of a, a culture problem with some of the players on the team and and guys that have been there for a while that have kind of 
you know, being connected to this lack of success. And so that's sort of what I'm more interested in now, rather than following the, the, the day-to-day results and how they do on the pitch, because, you know, they're, they're out of the Champions League. They're not really in contention for, for uh, any trophies to a, to a serious degree here. So what are they going to do to change things? Who are they going to get rid of? Who are they going to bring in? This is kind of what I'm you know, more interested in following with this team. And, and that's kind of what it was like following the Vancouver Canucks mm-hmm. last season as well. So there's some comparisons to be drawn there anyway. Well, speaking of last season, that Philly game looked a bit like last season with some of the defensive miscues, the odd man rushes given up, uh, the special teams weren't particularly good. Um, how can the Canucks uh, put that one in the rearview mirror? Because to their credit, the Canucks have been pretty good at bouncing back from poor performances this season. Yeah, they have. They've been resilient, and that's something that has kind of developed because, you know, as we were just talking about last season, they weren't a very resilient team. We often talked about them blowing leads as opposed to being a team that responded well when things went against them, uh, you know, to me, and, and maybe it's an easy excuse, but I look at the Philly game and I say, you know, first game back after the holidays, you've had a lot of success. You've probably been away, you know, spending time with your friends and family and hearing about how great your season has been. And, and maybe you sort of buy into your own hype a little bit, or you haven't been on the ice for a few days and you come back and not only do you come back, but you come back against one of the hardest working teams in the league in the flyers. So if, if you're not ready to put your work boots on in a game like that, then it's, it's going to be trouble for you. And I think the Canucks have struggled mostly against high pressure teams this year against teams that are really aggressive on the four check. There are times where they don't know how to deal with that. So I would expect them to respond. Well, they've had a number of days of practice here. Rick Tockett has really put in, put this team through some paces in terms of, uh, working on on you know some of the things in their game that he thinks they need to improve upon, and um, we saw like a lot of battle drills and things like that in practice where um, you know there was a high intensity level. So you hope that you can carry that over from the few days that you've had to work here, which really you know are a luxury for this group because they don't often get a lot of practice time. And after the game tonight, they're heading out on a seven game road trip, so. Um, you know, hopefully when they've been able to hone in on some of these things and they've worked a lot on special teams over the last few days too, that that can benefit as they get set to face the senators tonight. Um, what, what does it mean for this team that Phil DiGiuseppe is back on a line with JT Miller and Brock Besser? Uh, I think it means what we've kind of seen throughout the last couple of years, which is that they are still short a top six forward and, to this point anyway, they haven't found a guy that the coaching staff anyway believes can be a consistent member of that line or a consistent staple in the top six. And that's why, uh, you know, Di Giuseppe was there at the start of the year and then he was down the lineup and Hoaglander had a good stretch there. But talk it in relation to this has talked a lot about consistency and what it takes to, you know, be a success up the lineup in the NHL on a daily basis. And I asked him this exact question a couple of days ago. And he said, you know, it's hard to be in on the four check every game, you know, guys can do it for one or two games or they could put a good stretch together, but to do it night in night out on the road at home for 82 games, you know, it, it's, it's difficult. And it's clear that he doesn't feel 
that Niels Hoaglander has played to that level of late. Um, so it, it appears like they're going to make a switch in that regard based on the fact that Hoaglander was off a line at practice for the last few days. So DiGiuseppe goes from the press box to the second line. But, you know, saying that about a player, I, I think it shows that, that Talkett is still looking for something on that line. And that something is a player that can do that consistently. And until he has that, whether it be prior to the trade deadline or through free agency or an acquisition in the summer or whenever it happens, I would expect that no one player ends up being stapled on that line. And in fact, you know, maybe we see Di Giuseppe for three or four games if he plays well, and maybe Hoaglander gets a chance again. And then, you know, depending on how things go, could Pew Suter play up the lineup in that spot? I, that's sort of what I look at with, with that line is that none of these guys that have had a chance and in limited stretches have had some success there have been able to sustain it over the longer term. Do you think you'd ever consider breaking up the third line and giving Dakota Joshua or Connor Garland a spin up there? Maybe. The one thing he has done is he's given Garland a spin on that line in game briefly. So he, he seems really loath to break up the third line, and you can understand why based on how well they've been playing. But he'll kind of double shift Garland at times in games if he's looking for a spark on that line where you'll see Garland skate with the Miller line and then he'll be out, you know, two minutes later again with the, the Bluger line. So, I mean, that to me kind of feels like a, a break glass in case of emergency thing that he has because of how consistent that third line has been. You know, I wouldn't want to break it up either if I was him because they control play at times. They're giving you offensive late. Um, they're, they're the most consistent thing you have in your lineup, and uh, it really makes a difference to have a third line like that. That's not something we've seen the Canucks have in recent seasons at all where you know they really trust the third line, and in particular, the third line center is a consistent player that um, you know gives them a bottom line and, and can, can help control play as well. So... Um, you know, maybe we'll see Joshua get a chance there at some point. Um, although I would kind of put Joshua in that conversation of guys that, you know, dating back to last season have had a chance in the top six, but haven't been able to stick and make it consistent. What has been consistent is the play of that third line. And if you break it up, then maybe you lose what is kind of an ace in the hole for you in terms of the depth production that you're getting right now. Uh, when do you think we'll see Carson Soucy back in the lineup? Yeah, that, that's interesting. I don't think it'll be tonight, just based on the, the tenor of Rick Tonkett's comments about it yesterday, but they keep saying he's close. Soucy has said he's close. Tockett has said he's close. Um, you know, he's had some good practice time here. So I would expect on the road trip, and I would even trend towards saying the earlier portion of the road trip based on, the fact that he's remained a full participant in practice, there don't appear to have been any setbacks. Uh, so that's good news for Carson Soucy and good news for the Canucks. And it's going to be interesting to see how they shuffle their defensive pairings. And uh, ultimately, I think it'll probably, you know, look at which left shot defenseman ends up playing on the right side, because you have to imagine that it's Noah Juleson coming out of the lineup to make way for Soucy, even though I think Juleson has played very well and been very consistent for the Canucks down their lineup so that's a good problem to have if you're taking a defenseman who you've liked his game and putting him in the press box because you're starting to get healthy so probably not tonight for Susie I guess we'll find out for sure uh later this morning they have an optional skate uh but it wouldn't surprise me if 
We see him even later this week on, on Thursday, potentially, based on the, the way his recovery has been going. Batch, you'll have to excuse this question because I was on vacation. Um, <laughs> was there a hard um, reason given for why Casey DeSmith started that game against Philly? Not particularly, no. I, I, I think they just maybe wanted to get Demko some extra rest over the holidays. That, that would be my guess is, you know, it'll be a, a nice long break for him. Uh, we assume he's going back into the crease tonight. I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but no, in terms of, you know, an injury or, or any particular uh, decision or, or reason there, to my knowledge anyway, wasn't anything that was said publicly about why they chose to go with the Smith. Did it surprise you at all? It kind of yeah. like when I saw that, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I hope he's not, I hope Demko's not hurt or anything. Yeah. And, you know, Demko has been a full practice participant here. So I, I, don't think that is the case. That would surprise me if, if that was the reasoning, but you know, I, I do kind of wonder not to, you know, take anything away from Demko. I think he's had a fabulous season, but his game had slipped maybe a little bit in the, the final few games before the break. We saw a lot of goals going through his five hole, particularly in that uh, loss against Dallas. And so maybe that was the thinking is, you know, you give him some extra practice time. He's got a lot of days here. He can, hone in on some stuff with uh, the goaltending staff and, and try and bounce back stronger in the new year. So maybe that was the thinking, but that's just speculation on my part. So we'll have to see what happens with the goaltending decision, not just tonight, but going forward into this busy road trip. Batch, just talking a bit more about the defense. Um, I often say that, um, you know, this is my easy way of judging a defense. It's a good defense if you've got two pairs that you can trust. The third pair is a is it's like it's nice to have a good third pair, but you can you can hide a, a or you can shelter a, a questionable third pair. But if you don't have two pairs where you always trust them when they're on the ice, then you might have problems. Do the Canucks have two pairs right now that they can trust? They're getting close. Uh, it, it seems to me that Talkit is getting there in terms of trusting Zadorov and Myers. Now they still have room to improve, and I think Zadorov is still sort of getting his feet under him, you know, with a new team and understanding new systems. But uh, Talkit has talked about how much he's kind of liked Zadorov's progression as he works through some of these things and and learns these things. Uh, it's clear he trusts. Hughes and Hironic. Um, and Cole and Juleson have given him some good minutes as a third pairing too. So I'll be, you know, this is part of the reason why I'm going to be fascinated to see what they do with the pairings and how they build out their blue line once Susie returns, because, you know, then we're talking about a very big blue line and, and not that Noah Juleson's a small defenseman by any means, but you look at the four defensemen not named Hughes and Hironic. And you would say, okay, those are all bigger defensemen. They're all guys that have size, that have reach, that have length, as Rick Tockett would say. And that's something that he has sort of preached about wanting and, and feeling is important in a modern-day blue line for quite a while, dating back to last season when he would speak complimentarily about the Golden Knights blue line and, and you know, how they were built. And you know, not that he, you know, wants them to get rid of Hughes and Heronic by any means, because those guys have played great together and they're a big part of why the Canucks have had a lot of success. But uh, I would imagine that Tockett is very pleased with how the blue line has been built out uh, with the size of Zadorov and Myers and Susie um, in particular. So 
Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do in terms of trying to find uh, a second pairing that they can trust on a nightly basis, whether he thinks that Zadorov and Myers can be that and keeps them together, or whether he slots in Susie, maybe you move Cole to the right side. That's kind of what I would look at is he's the guy that has played the right side the most in his career. And if you move him to the right side, do you pair him with Susie? Do you trust them a little bit more? Do you put him with Zadorov and go Susie and Myers because they played together? Um, you know, that that's going to be, I would imagine, an, an ongoing conversation and something that they look at through the second half of the season here because, you know, whether you have a second pairing that you fully trust right now or not, you need to try and have that by the time you get to the end of the season and the games start to really matter and you head into the postseason. So um, could Susie help in that regard? Can he solidify one of those pairings so that Talkett trusts them to an even greater degree? I think that's possible, but right now I would say they're getting close, but I don't know if, if you're right there where you've got the two solid pairings that you throw out over the boards against any line in the league. What do the Canucks need to see from Elias Pettersson in the new year? Yeah, I, I think, you know, he has to elevate his game a little bit and that's because the hockey is going to get more difficult, right? This stretch run isn't going to be like any stretch run that the Canucks have had in Pedersen's career because the games are going to matter more down the stretch and they're going to be battling, you know, for positioning in the division and battling for their spot in the playoffs. Whereas every other year since Pedersen's come into the league, you know, the, the stretch run has been about, you know, we're looking forward to next year and we're trying to find our game. And, and, you know, in, in the last couple of years, we've got a new head coach and we're figuring out new systems um, you know, even in the, the COVID year where they had the, the playoff bubble run, they didn't really get a full stretch run because the season was shut down in early March. So, you know, this, this young core group of players has not gone late into a season with games that really matter in terms of their positioning in late March and early April. And then, you know, by extension, late April as well, once the playoffs get going. So, um, you know, I think we're going to learn a lot about Pedersen. I believe that he is the kind of player that will elevate his game and, and will shine brightest when, when the pressure is on a little bit more. But, um, you know, as the calendar flips, he's a guy that they're going to rely on a lot. Uh, he's going to have to continue to sort of try and drive play on that line in spite of the fact that, you know, uh, the, the Kuzmenko spot on that wing has been, you know, less than consistent or reliable to this point this year. So, you know, a large part of Pedersen's success is going to be tied, I think, to who is on that line with him and how they're playing, whether Kuzmenko can kind of get back to being the, the offensive player that we saw from him last season or whether there's more, um, you know, change on that line in that spot in terms of can Kuzmenko hold down that spot on that line or is he being moved down or out of the lineup because of some of the, the things in his game that they need to see. We'll have to wait and see, but Pedersen kind of needs to rise above all of that noise around him and just elevate his game to be one of the key players on this team because they are going to need him when they get into tough playoff games and, and they need a goal. He's one of the guys that you would expect to help create it. And, you know, I think for the most part, he's been very good this year. You know, he's still one of the top 15 scorers in the NHL, if I'm not mistaken right now. So uh, continue to to grow your game, maybe get back to the kind of game that you had earlier in the year. Although, you know, I'm I'm not quite as down on how he's been playing of late as I, I know some people are. But 
you know, there is still room for Pedersen to grow and elevate his game, and he's going to need to do that as the season carries forward. Batch, this was great, man. Thanks for doing it, as always. Happy New Year once again. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Have a good call tonight. We'll do this again next week. Sounds good. Thanks, boys. Thank you. That's Brendan Batchelor, Canucks Radio play-by-play voice here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. A reminder, tonight's game, Canucks Senators. You can hear everything you need right here on Sportsnet 650. Pre-game, post-game, the actual game. Keep it on the dial. Keep it on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we are going to do what we learns coming up in a little bit here. Um, I have two, two what we learns that I'm going to do real quick because they're both international football slash soccer related. Okay, bear with me. First, don't don't switch that dial. Big news for Canadian football and Italian football at the same time. At the same time, Tejan Buchanan, Canadian international, formerly of Club Bruges, on his way to. Inter Milan. Mm-hmm. Pretty big deal. I believe he's going to be the first Canadian male player to ever play in Serie A. Olympic really? in, in entirely in yeah. Serie A? Yeah, really? I don't think there's ever been a Canadian wow. male player. There's been and a female going to player. one of the bigger clubs, too. Julia Grosso, the mm-hmm. uh, Olympic hero, right here from Vancouver. Uh, she plays with Juventus. But uh, Tejan Buchanan going to Inter. That is a very, very big January transfer window deal because Juan Cuadrado their star Colombian wingback is uh, suffering Achilles injury. So there's thought that uh, Buchanan could feature and feature right away. Mm-hmm. Some reports suggesting if he is medical, I believe his medical is underway right now. Uh, he could play in their January 6th game on the weekend if he gets a sniff at it. So kudos to Tejan Buchanan on his way to uh, Serie A with Inter. That's pretty cool. When, when is Alfonso Davies, when is his future going to be determined? Possibly in this window. Okay. We How long know. is the window? Uh, I don't know. Putting the, on the spot. Yes, here. you certainly are. I don't know yeah, the yeah. exact end date of the January window. Okay. I apologize. How do you not know the windows? Yeah. Come on. I just don't know the end date of the window. I know the window is open. That's uh, the only date you need to know. Mm-hmm. There's also news. <laughs> there's also other <laughs> fairly prominent news. And then one of the more recognizable gaffers in the world, Wayne Rooney, out at Birmingham. Didn't he just go there? 15 matches ago. <laughs> Didn't he took Robbo with him, didn't he? Yeah, now they're both gone. Uh, Wayne, so here's how this happened. Uh, Wayne Rooney was coaching in MLS mm-hmm. with DC United. Right. And about three matches before the end of his tenure with DC United, they were in Vancouver. And I remember thinking, there is a very unengaged manager in Wayne Rooney. He just right. kind of sat there the whole time. Yeah. Sat in his chair. I don't even think he made a sub. He's like, it feels like a lot of work. Yeah. They're like, just, uh, Wayne, we're losing. He'd be like, right. He all, that's exactly what he sounded you gotta like. Got to talk to the ref. Ah, <laughs> uh, bollocks! If I didn't know, if I didn't know any better, bollocks in it. If I didn't know any better, He's not I Australian, would, you idiot. No, in it. I n n i t. In it. Uh, in it. If I didn't know any better, I would have said, "Hey, that guy there, that looks like a guy that might have another job lined up." And sure enough, right, he did because he went to Birmingham. Now, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because Birmingham's a fairly noteworthy club because. Tom Brady recently became part of the ownership group. Mm-hmm. Part of the big splash of Tom Brady coming on as owner is, hey, we're going to go out and get legendary English international Wayne Rooney to be our manager. Mm-hmm. And then it all went terrible. And then it was finally the final straw, Jason. The final straw was yesterday when they lost to Leeds 3-0. Your Leeds. They said, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of things as gaffer, but you can't do that. You know, I, I know Wayne who, Rooney was sacked. I know who their next manager is going to be. Who? Belichick. <laughs> oh my God! Right? Yeah, I mean, no, we've, no, seen, no, we've seen proof of proof of concept. 
Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. And I cannot. And, think- and is anyone as positive and cheery as than than Bill Belichick? Like they he's say basically that, Ted Lasso 2.0. Yeah, they say that Jason Sudeikis is a young Bill Belichick. <laughs> so hold on, if I'm reading this correctly, I'm just catching up on this Rooney situation. Yes. Two months ago. Yes. Like basically two months ago, they signed him to a three and a half year contract. That's correct. And then blew him out. Fifteen matches in. That's crazy. The this is the championship, so this isn't the Premier League. It's the one below, right? This just to give you an idea of what we're talking about. It is so everyone is so terrified of relegation that it, even if you sign someone to a multi-year deal to be your yeah. gaffer, if you face the reality of going down, and, and I think Birmingham are only six points clear of the relegation zone, you just you have to make a move, right? One texter to- summed it up nicely, bros. What, W-O-T, about the gaffer sacking, the Brummies whacked Robbo, and his bro Wayne Rooney brubs. Top shelf content, in it. Yeah, right. Mm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. moo cow that and our mangling of English slang. Do you have a what we learned, or would you like to do it on the other side of the break? Um, I don't know if I do, but we got to go to break. Uh, text in your what we learned into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Dunbar Lumber, with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Butis in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. You'll learn the clock one of these days. One of these days, you're going to learn how this show works and when we have to have breaks. One of these days. That's my what we learned. I learned that because I have faith in you. You're listening to the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.33 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer. Today, we are in Hour 3 of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Now, while we were gone, uh, one of our guest hosts was none other than veteran Vancouver radio man Brooke Ward. What did Brooke think of all the crazy hijinks that we do here that are commonplace to us on the Halford mm. and Bruff show? It's natural. The, the he was stupid, very confused by the, the stupid jingle. He just had the, the blinders on, I think. I think right. when there's too much overwhelming you, you kind of just yeah, put your yeah. head down and work. There's a lot of crap on this show. Yeah. Right? Is this where we do the moo cow? He kept yeah. asking that. Do we do the, the moo cow here? Stupid, yeah. stupid jingle. He kept trying to moo cow the listeners. Inappropriate oh, no, drops. No, no, no. Right. Do that. Weird hotkeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Inside jokes. He kept talking over the fire plan. Oh, yeah, I do that. That was a tough one. Yeah, I used to do that. Yeah. Okay, so now that that's out of the way, let's continue with what we learned. A reminder, get yours in. Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. What did you learn over the last, I don't know, month in sports? Who cares? Just do whatever. Okay, I've, this one's a couple days old, but um, I learned that the Detroit Pistons actually won a game. Good for them. And they, on Saturday night, they beat the Toronto Raptors 129-127. to 
Um, they they could lose 28 games in a row, but you know that 29th, they were going to win that. Enough's one. enough. Were, yeah, enough. Enough became enough. Actually, the the funniest part was when they didn't they did they have a big lead on Boston. Yes, in Boston, yep. they had a huge lead on Boston. Really good team, and it's like okay, the. It's going to be over tonight. And then they blew it and lost in overtime. So they were kind of due. But the Raptors had an excuse. Yeah. Because they made a trade. And so they didn't have the players that they traded to the Knicks. And that they didn't have the players they got from the Knicks because uh, they weren't in Detroit in time to play the game. That's right, Um, Jason. Explain the trade and what you think of the trade and where you think the Raptors are right now. So gone is a longtime Raptor, OG Ananobi, along with Precious Achua and uh, Malachi, who I believe the inside joke is uh, Dollywell screwed it up so bad, is Malachi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Malachi, Malachi, <laughs> Flynn, all gone. Uh, mariachi? <laughs> no, yeah. I, I think Drance actually just now refers to him as Malachi Flynn and doesn't even explain what the origin of the joke is. Anyway, Emmanuel quickly. The Canadian R.J. Barrett and a 2024 second-round pick from the Pistons, which because they're so bad is basically a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so the trade, where do we begin? Everyone's going to point to R.J. Barrett. Because he's Canadian. Because he's Canadian, yeah. he's coming back, and... You know, he was a highly publicized college player, and he's played for the Canadian national team, and he played in a big market in New York, and now he's the centerpiece of this trade to the Raptors. Manuel quickly is interesting because there's some thought out there that he can be the point guard that the Raptors need because part of the reason they traded OG Anunoby was like, we have too many of you. There's you, there's uh, Pascal Siakam, and there's Scotty Barnes. You're all kind of the same guy. You're all like six foot eight, six foot nine. Right. You're all perimeters, but you know, somewhat different skill sets. Just but, very yeah. similar basketball players. And their mm-hmm. thought was with three of them, it was just going to be hard to ever have a cohesive offense. Now you bring in a guy that can run the point, maybe, and quickly you have RJ Barrett. The issue with it is a lot of teams that are sort of in. The Netherlands, the, the not the actual Netherlands, in Holland? not Holland. Oh. The nether regions, the, the, the mushy middle where they don't know what direction they want to go. Mm-hmm. The easiest thing to do is we're going to tear it down, we're going to be horrible, and we're going to stockpile picks. That's how you get what the Oklahoma City Thunder have now, right? They just were bad forever and just picks, 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 mm-hmm. picks. Um, you obviously saw it with San Antonio Spurs, bad, accumulate picks, get high, get Wemby. And, Still got some work to do, but. Well, they're horrible, but yeah. they've got Wemby. Right. The Raptors aren't doing it. The Raptors are trying to find guys in quick, uh, Quickly and um, Barrett, who are, I think, 23 and 24, and Scotty Barnes is 23. So you can kind of see where they're saying, no, we're going to build around the talent that we have. We're going to see if we can get our way out of the wilderness without tearing it down and stockpiling picks. So some people were kind of upset, and they said, well, the Raptors should have got more draft capital out of this for OG. They did not. Um from a, a syrupy narrative perspective, I'm kind of intrigued by being, bringing Barrett in because it's an identity, which the mm. Raptors really didn't have over the last little bit. Ever since they won the NBA championship, their identity has kind of been, oh, you're chasing the dragon of that. Well, that, what's the that, identity? That they've got a Canadian guy? That they've got a guy that I think is going to be their heart and soul and their leader oh. and is going to be the guy, and he's from Toronto. Still really young, too, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's I, 23. Yeah, he's 23. I don't really know if RJ Barrett has the potential to be a star. I th- here's what I think. I think they're trying to find another Kyle Lowry. They're trying to find a guy that's going to be the leader of the team, and I think they think RJ Barrett might be it. 
Remains to be seen. That's my perspective, and I'm sticking to it. Okay, give Mookow. us a moo on that. Okay, we're going to print out some submissions into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Laddie wanted to go, but no. Skipping the goalie. Uh, okay. What we learned, Humanoid Edition, not featuring Laddie, brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them on the internet at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! So if you missed the news earlier in the morning, uh, Canada is out. At the World Juniors. They lost to Czechia, and they lost with about 11 seconds to go. The game looked like it was going to overtime, tied 2-2. Czechia flung a puck on net, hit a bunch of legs, hit the post, and went in. And all of a sudden, Canada is out at the World Juniors in the quarterfinals for the first time since 2019. Go Team Sweden. Um, And we had a bunch of what we learned related to that. Adog, Chet and Burnaby, what we learned. I learned I can now cheer for Sweden guilt-free. Uh, Keep the grip. What we learned, Lekaramaki has one hell of a shot. Can't wait for these new Swedes to arrive. Uh, what we learned from Derek, the serial guy. Canada may be out at the World Juniors, but the Canucks draft picks are looking very good and appear to be strong players. Yeah, and all three of them are really different type of players. Like Lekaramaki, his signature really is his shot, and his shot is already better than a bunch of NHL players. Um, it's the rest of his game that he needs to round out. I sometimes look at him and go, mm, "Could you get bigger? Just a little bit bigger, just a little, a little bit, heft. a little more heft to you." So hopefully, Girth, if you will, uh, Lekaramaki can put a little strength on because it's great to have a good shot, but hockey's about a lot more than that. But man, like he has a really, really good shot. Um, DPD Elias Pettersson uh, has, has logged a lot of minutes for Sweden. Um, if there's a question mark around him, maybe it's his speed, his foot speed. Um, but he looks like a guy that um, could provide some minutes like on a third pair. I don't know if he's ever going to be a top four guy. The guy I'm most excited about is Vlander. Like having watched him at the juniors, you can tell he's still a bit raw, mm-hmm. but man, he's got some great tools. Like, and it starts with his skating, right? And I think that's the guy. You know, you can be, you can feel free to be excited about any of the other Canucks prospects the most, but for me, it's Vlander and what he represents because I see like, upside in him. I see top four defensemen. Great maybe, IQ, maybe really even, smart. Well, he's got to learn. Play right? super like, well. yeah, he yeah, goes yeah, to like university. He, yeah, you have to be smart <laughs> to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> not, not necessarily. You went to school. <laughs> That's true. I went so, to a university. I'll actually, I'll be really curious to see what they do with Vlander. Um, I think he's probably going to stay in school for another year, but I suppose it's possible they could convince him to sign. Um, uh, we might see the defenseman, Elias Pettersson, in the AHL this season yeah. after his European club finishes its season. And I think they got to get Lecker Mackey over to North America next season. Maybe say, hey, we'll give you a shot to make the Canucks if you can. But more likely, you're going to go down to Abbotsford and learn about the North American game. Uh, Colin in the Okanagan with a what we learned. Hashtag WWO, what we learned. There's so much rivalry left to be unearthed between the Canucks and the Kraken. Is it even a rivalry or just a fun geography lesson at this point? Putting the Canucks in the Winter Classic at T-Mobile Park would have been a good start. There is no rivalry, Colin. Unfortunately, I say this bemoaning the lack of rivalry, but we don't... How much attention, I'll ask you, how much attention do you pay to the Kraken when you're looking at all the other teams in pay, the NHL? I don't pay them any attention. They're seven, really they are 7-0-2 in their last nine. They're one of the hottest teams in hockey, and mm. I had to look that up 
last night because I, I'm like, oh, they won at the Winter Classic, and Laddie was all excited about Joey Dacor getting a shout out. You yeah, can yeah, do yeah, your you know, you can do your Joey Dacord bit. Do it. Oh, I can do it now. Yeah, yeah, do yeah. it. Oh. Do it now. What did you, what did you learn? Before about I ramble on about the uh, crack, I just Joey, learned that okay. he's an amazing story. He had a long route to the NHL, and sometimes the the answer to your goaltending problems are right in front of your eyes because. What are two teams in Canada that really need help with their goaltending, you guys? Yeah, hmm, Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, mm-hmm. Joey Decord was with the Ottawa Senators for a while before he got taken in the expansion draft. And also, his dad, Brian, was the goalie consultant for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he could have just said, hey, why don't you go out and acquire my son? And it probably <laughs> would have been a better job than what they've received over the last couple well, of years. He's, because he's turned around their season yeah, in Seattle. Yeah, he's been the big yeah. reason why they've gotten their footing, right? Like, Because, I mean, I remember at a certain point both of us saying, the Kraken are toast. Uh, Hackstall might be one of the next coaches fired. Now I'm not saying they're back or like I still well, think, I think they're still toast. I don't. I don't think they're toast. I mean, look at the standings. It, it, Wish brought up a good point earlier. By the way, is I don't think we spent enough time this year talking about how lousy the Western Conference is. There are some truly. Oh God, I hate saying this out loud. Mid teams. Yeah, in but the Western I, I, I kind of disagreed right with Wish on that point because I think there's. Do you there's, think there's some sleeping giants? You know, I think there's don't you think there's more teams in the West that have the potential to win the Stanley Cup than there are in the East? It might be um like it's top heavy. It might might be top heavy, for sure. But the collective depth of the West, when you look at the wild card, it's Yeah, but what what if Edmonton gets in there? Do you all of a sudden let's say Edmonton's in the playoff picture, do you all of a sudden look at it a little bit differently? I yeah, I because you're like, yeah, that's a good team. Right, but then all you're talking about is one of the top teams getting picked off. I guess just in terms of the collective um, competitiveness, I think there are more dog teams in the West than there are in the East. Like, I Here's the thing. Ottawa is dead well, last. Yeah, there's some dreadful teams in the West, like Chicago and San Jose. They're terrible. Yeah, Anaheim's been real bad since that hot mm-hmm. start to the season. Um, by the way, and one to keep an eye on just in terms of starting to sell off assets is Minnesota because now Gustafson and Kaprizov are out week to week. So I wonder if they're just going to wave the white flag on this season and maybe sell off some guys. How many teams in the East do you look at and say, oh, yeah, that team for sure could win the Stanley Cup? Like, I, even though Boston's off to this great start, you have 50 points in 35 games, I'm still like, I don't know if they can do it without Bergeron. Like, um, I just don't know if they can do it with that center. Couldn't do it uh, with them last year. Right. Yeah. You know, like Florida, maybe. Um, you know, the Rangers, I, I'm going to be really curious to see what that Rangers team looks like when the Canucks play them on, on that road trip because um, I've watched a bit of the Rangers this season. I think everyone has, but I'm still not sure about that team. Carolina, I think, has the potential if they get the goaltending. But then, like, who, who else are we talking about? Like, New Jersey's not even in the playoffs right now. Florida. Oh, I mentioned Florida. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, they got to the Stanley Cup final last year, so they're a pretty good team. A lot of mid, like Alfred was like, saying. both mid, conferences. But, like, and, but, but then I compare it to... The West, like I know Vegas is good. I think the Kings are really good. Um, Colorado, Nathan McKinnon, Dallas, Nathan McKinnon is our powerhouse. Like Winnipeg, we we need to give start giving Winnipeg a little more respect because they keep winning. Yep, they keep. I keep on thinking, okay, well they're gonna so they're gonna stingy fall off soon. Yeah, they're so just stingy. like and and don't you think? So look, well, Canucks, do you see the stat for Hellbuck going around? He hasn't had a nine twenty or sub nine twenty save percentage in six weeks. Like that's he hasn't be, had a single game yeah. under nine twenty. That's going to be – that Dubois trade um, made them a lot deeper because they got multiple players for him. Yes. Uh, Fuzz from Burnaby, hashtag WWL, what we learned. A-Dog. 
The original Mickey Mouse drawings are no longer patented by Disney. We told a doggy wasn't allowed to do this because we wanted to stick to sports. Brock but got very angry. Brock got ang- angry. He yelled angry. at Andy. He hit Greg. I don't even know why. That's why I got this bruise. <laughs> Addy cried. A dog laughed. He's such a little trooper. <laughs> he just loves Steamboat Willie. Tell me what's going on here. Uh, Mickey Mouse is now public domain, so meaning bad. that anybody, well, I should say Steamboat Willie specifically. Yeah. So, like the pre Disney movie Mickey Mouse, but like all way back in the 1920s, something when Steamboat Willie came out. And so now anybody can make a movie about Steamboat Willie. And can sure we have enough, him as our official mascot? Yeah. Yes. You are, yeah, he's public domain. You can do whatever you want with him. Mm. Well, Let's try and keep it clean. But people won't, guaranteed, and Twitter already hasn't. But there is actually a horror movie that has already been announced about Steamboat Willie. Sort of like with uh, Winnie the Pooh, which happened last year, and somebody announced a horror movie, Winnie the Pooh, like the day it became public domain, so obviously they were working on this. Now there's going to be a horror movie, Steamboat Willie. Okay. I hope you're excited. Did they actually make the Winnie the Pooh horror movie? They did. It was really bad. It was, oh, really? It was just simply for shock value. Really? It did, no not, way. It did not get nominated for any Oscars. What was, his, what was the backstory? Uh, Winnie the Pooh Winnie goes the berserk, Poo's... I think was the, the <laughs> Can you guys Google that up? I need like to know. Out of hungry, honey? No, I need, I need to know why. Like, give it. Give us the, you know, like the, the, Joker the elevator pitch. Story? Yeah, yeah. What, what happened to Winnie the Pooh? I'll read this one. Okay. Lenny on the Hill, what we learned. After listening to nearly every episode last year, this holiday break from the show taught me that there is more to life then three hours of sports talk each day. My mind was clearer. I listened to audiobooks and got much more work done. That being said, here I am relapsing as soon as you guys return. Looking forward to another year. Did any of you guys make New Year's resolutions? No. 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 Actually, this, okay, this Winnie the Pooh is pretty, uh, it's a great synopsis. Okay. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. After Christopher Robin abandons them for college, Pooh and Piglet embark on a bloody rampage as they search for a new source of food. Wow. <laughs> so Christopher Robin goes off to college, and then what, was he responsible for feeding them yeah. or something? Yeah, so, and now they're hungry, so they have to go on a bloody rampage to oh, search, okay. search for a new source of food. Uh-huh. Well. Yeah. Unsigned text. Right. This must be from a little Gary. Too, a little too lowbrow for rough. <laughs> Unsigned text must be from Gary. Hashtag WWL what we learned. The morning show in the new year is similar to the Canucks in that it is regressing horribly. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, Gary. Touche. Um we, we so we talked about this earlier because iMac has a piece. Of, check it out, Sportsnet.ca. Ian McIntyre was talking to Thatcher Demko, and Demko talked about a variety of things, including not uh, patting themselves on the back too much for the start to the season, but also acknowledging that things are a little bit different. And the regression that I think a lot of people uh, talked about earnestly, and then kind of talked about out of the side of their mouths, and then did in jest. Um, the Canucks have managed to avoid really significant skids or slides, which would say, uh-oh, here we go again. Like, I have not had that feeling. Even that game against Philadelphia that we bemoaned for being error-filled and not very good, mm. I guess part of it is kudos on the team for playing as well as they have, but my outlook has changed where I look at tonight's game as more of an, an opportunity to snuff out some of those errors in, in a, a mature, responsible team that acknowledges that they can't make the mistakes they right. made the previous night. Now they're going to go out and make double the mistakes to try and compensate for those mistakes against Philly. Well, I hope Whatever. they leave on this seven-game road trip on a positive note because, again, it's a seven-game road trip, mm. and that's going to put a lot of stress on the team just just because it's seven games on the road and there's going to be some back-to-backs in there as well. Well, I mean, if you want to look at it at House of Negativity, which we love to do here, um, this seven-game stretch, this is really the time when you look at the quality of opponents, mm-hmm. the time of year, the length of trip, the way that it's scheduled, the three and four nights through New York and New Jersey. 
this is where you could get like the first three game losing streak yeah. of the year, God forbid, or an extended stretch where the record doesn't jive with the 23, 10 and one. But there's no excuses for, for them to like not be fresh. They've no, they've had, had plenty of, of days off, off yeah. and they've had plenty of practice time. Um, so hopefully they can uh, put that Philly game in the rearview mirror pretty quickly. Um, Jay in OK Falls has a what we learned and a question. What we learned, the Washington-Texas game ended up being way closer than it should have been. Yes, it was yeah. a very stressful finish for Huskies fan. Jay continues, regarding Penix Jr., are the concerns about him in the NFL only related to his injury history? I see an NFL quarterback in him. As a Giants fan, I'd rather have him at quarterback than Jones, Taylor, or DeVito. I think the injury history is pretty significant. Yeah, and I've seen deal. mock drafts where he's gone anywhere from, you know, middle of the first round to falling all the way to the second round. He's got two surgically repaired knees. Right, so he's torn you know, his ACL twice. He started at Indiana. He played four years there. Um, and one of the things that was interesting about yesterday's game is that he was actually running quite a bit, and there were these design runs, and he did that a lot in Indiana. <laughs> and then he got hurt a couple times. Like he had these season-ending injuries, and I think he probably said, "I don't want to do that anymore." Um, but I also think like there have been some games where Penix hasn't played very well, and fairly recently, like he wasn't very good against Oregon State. Um, he did just enough against Washington State in the Apple Cup, but um, that game last night, if there is a singular game that can make a guy rocket up a draft board, that was it. Because like the, that is the best game I've ever seen him play, and it was on a big stage. And perhaps the most important thing is like he showed leadership and he showed poise, um, again, in a very important game against a very good opponent under severe pressure situations. No, it's, it's a good point. He was the best player on the field. Um, NFL scouts love the big stage thing. Like, that was... So, there was a lot of comparisons yesterday to Joe Burrow because with 430 passing yards, he's second all-time in um, college football playoff passing to Joe Burrow. And Burrow really burst onto the scene in his final year. And everyone said the same thing. Poise in the big moments. Does Penix have it? I don't know. But I'll tell you what. Last night when we were watching it, we were both like, this is... Might be cool if he's the next Seahawks quarterback and taken in the draft. That would be pretty cool. Okay, we got to get out of here for today. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. Canucks game tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about it. Signing off for now. Uh, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.